campus of Reichman University. Fully booked. Read into it with Michelle Amar and Liras Levy. and welcome back. You are listening to Fully Booked on Audioversity, the voice of Rackman University. This is the podcast where we discuss our favorite books, discover new reads, and give you a bunch of new recommendations. We are your hosts. My name is Michelle. And I'm Liraz. And today we are going to be talking about November 9th by Colleen Hoover. Yes. So, Michelle, both yeah. of us have read Colleen Hoover before. Yes. This was the purpose of the... Well, okay, no. First of all, um, before we get into this episode, I want to give like just like a brief um, trigger warning for not only this episode, but also for this book. If you are sensitive to subjects of sexual assault, sexual harassment, emotional manipulation, gaslighting, arson, uh, suicide, cancer... Loss of a loved one. Loss of a loved one. Anything else? A scarred heroine? I mean, like, scarring. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. Bodily scars. Um, If you're sensitive to any of those subjects, you might want to skip this one. Mm-hmm. Um, This episode and this book. But, um, so, like, just that to, like, get it. um Out of the way, I guess. Yeah. Um, You know, just be careful going into this book or any Colin Hoover book, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so we decided to do this episode because we've both read two Colleen Hoover books each before. Yeah. Right? We've both read Ugly Love. Yeah. And then you read It Ends With Us last year. Yeah. And despised it, mm-hmm. putting it lightly. Um, and I read Verity like two years ago. And it wasn't a romance. It was more of a thriller. So it wasn't that bad. Because that's yeah, what, I've heard it like, described as like a romantic thriller. but like, It's okay. not a romantic thriller. Um, but yeah. Like Ugly Love, like it was fine. I didn't like It Ends With Us. Um, honestly, I don't know how I would feel about Ugly Love now reading it, because I was, like, 16, 17 when I read it, so I don't know how I would feel about it now, but, um, yeah, It Ends With Us was not for me. I didn't like it, and, like, because we've had, like, either bad or just, like, very average experiences with Colleen Hoover in the past, we decided that, like, it would be a fun idea to, like, you know, give her another chance, Mm -hmm. see if we could, like, maybe get into her books, and we decided to read November 9th, because it's, like, I would say after it ends with us, I would say it's probably her most popular. Yeah, like that she it's has. still on the New York Times bestselling like list. It, Verity, November 9th, and it ends with us. Yeah, are those are up like there. her main three, and yeah. like Ugly Love. But read that one. Read, mo- we read all of them now. I think the big ones well, between the between, between the two, two of us, us we yeah. read all of them. Exactly the main ones. So that's where this came in. It was a, like it was an idea that we wanted to like. Kind of see if we can give her another chance. To it was win an ex- us over. experiment. It um, was an experiment, I would say. <laughs> um, that's but, putting it lightly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Liraz, would you like to give like a brief overview of the plot, like the concept? Yeah, sure. So, basically, this book is about Fallon and Ben. Uh, they both meet one day at a restaurant, and Ben pretends to be Fallon's boyfriend because Fallon is having an argument with her dad. Um, and then they kind of have, like, this one day on November 9th, not even a day, a couple hours, where they spend their time together because Fallon has to leave to New York the next day. Um, so they had a lot of fun. They, like, were starting to, like, catch feelings. And then they decided that every single November 9th for five years, they're going to meet up at the same place and spend the day together. 
um, and they're not allowed to give each other their phone numbers. They're not allowed to follow each other on Facebook. They're not allowed to do anything but see each other once a year on November 9th. That's the basic premise of the book. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go into, like, spoilers later on, Mm -hmm. but I think, like, first things first, we should give just, like, our general thoughts for the people that have not read the book and are maybe interested in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so what did you think? (laughs) I feel like from, like, our reactions so far, you can tell we weren't the biggest fans of this book. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we, our ratings for this book are the same. Yeah. You know that meme, not meme, or the the video, the sound of, uh, I if I could give it oh, yeah. zero stars, I would, but because I can't, you get one star. Yeah. That is my feelings towards this book. I hated it. I hated it more than it ends with us, which is saying which something. Which is a lot. Because that was my most disappointing read of 2021. I spoke about it mm-hmm. multiple times, I think. And the fact that there was a book that I hated even more, it says a lot. Yeah. And I, it's by the same author, too. I just, I completely, I wasn't expecting, the thing, the the shitty thing is, is that I was really, I was really going into this being like, I'm going to give her another chance, you know? Because like, because like, November 9th, everybody loves it. It's talked about nonstop everywhere. And the fact that it's, this book was published in, I think, 2015, Mm -hmm. and it's still so popular. And I get that Colleen Hoover has had sort of like a popular, like, renaissance, but she's always been, I would say, like, steadily popular throughout the years since, like, the early 2010s. Especially in the romance community. There's not one, like, romance reader who has not read her. Yeah, now her popularity has gone way, way up because of TikTok, but, like, she's always been a figure. Also, it ends with us as getting a movie. I know. (laughs) It's also getting a a fucking sequel, but, um... (laughs) we're not gonna talk about that i don't that's beside wanna, the point no um i won't be watching the movie i'll leave it at that and i won't be reading the book um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave that there but we're not talking about it ends with us we're not talking about any of those we're talking about november 9th yes and i have so many issues with this book because i mean just like listen the the concept of the book i would say is like I'm not going to say that it's bad. I think that it's interesting, but I think that this concept works better for movies. Not that I want to see a movie adaptation of Mm -hmm. this book because I gave it one star, but I think that in the right hands, this movie, like as a movie or even as a book, it could have been fine. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why Colleen Hoover needs to make the choices that That she she makes. makes. Yeah. consistently in like Repeatedly. all of her books not just in november 9th like i don't get it but like listen anyway <laughs> i i have never ever in my life given a book one star and now i was oscillating between myself between a one and a two star because it hurt my very soul to see that one star <laughs> to see that one star on my goodreads i'm like it hurts but in reality like i am i guess lenient sometimes with my romance novels because like you know, unless it's basically abuse or incredibly toxic and I hate every second of the book, uh, I usually can, like, let know, a lot of things, let a lot of things like, like yeah. pass. Um, so Especially was, considering the type of romance that you're reading, you know? like Yeah, it really you read does... a lot of dark romance. You kind of, like, learn to kind of have different morals when you read romance sometimes. Yeah, as long as, like, actual abuse Is and, not... like, and, like, sexual assault and, like, rape is not being, like, romanticized and there's, like, actual 
like discussions about mm-hmm. it exactly um i not don't condemning it yeah condoning it condoning it like sorry. i don't think that there is an issue with reading dark romance but like it becomes an issue when authors decide to romanticize fully abusive relationships and mm-hmm. that's something that happened with this book and this book isn't even dark romance yeah like it's I sort was- of just like like a general romance book, you know? It's that's a contemporary sort of, romance. Yeah, that's like that's what Colleen Hoover's books are. They're general, like contemporary romances. But the thing is, is that she doesn't handle them in any respectful way. Yeah. Like I was fully prepared to like say, you know, this book I am shooting for a four star. I'm hopeful it can give me a four star. I was planning on Worst giving it a three. War. I yeah, was going like, for a three because that's what I usually tend to give romance books. Okay, yeah, but I'm like, worst comes to worst, I'll give it a three star. Like, I'm sure it can't be that bad if it's so well liked. Um, but I also was aware that this type of trope, I've talked about this before, I hate when you have, like, time jumps in a romance book. Oh, yeah. I hate it because, like, like I said before, I think you don't get to see the characters develop. And I yeah. think that was something that completely ruined this book for me. This other is, than This was like, one of the main things that I had written in my notes. I was actually lacking. I was really, really thinking about it like hard. And Mm -hmm. like the thing is, like when I say that I was going into this book with like an open mind, I really, really was because I was going for like an ugly love type of enjoyment from it where like Mm -hmm. I know that this isn't my usual genre. So I know that I'm not going to be latching on as I usually do to books that I love so much more. But I can get some sort of enjoyment out of it. Like you can get that kind of like oh, it's like, it's like a romance, you know? Yeah. Like, you can get that sort of enjoyment out of it. And I was really, like, hoping for that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting this, yeah. you know? And, like, one of my main things that I was really disappointed with, aside from, like, the issues... Yeah, we're gonna like, talk about that later. Aside from... This is something that I have to say. Even if the trigger warnings were not in this book, not the trigger warning, like, even if the, the issues... The themes. The themes of the... Thank you. Well, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, like, all over the place. No, I feel you. It's even, the anger. Even if... I'm not angry yet. 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 Wait for it. <laughs> um, Even if these issues were not in the book, I still don't think I would have loved it because yeah, we agree. never... As we all know, I am so invested in characters and if i am not invested in your characters i'm not going to be invested in your story Mm -hmm. and to be honest i am somebody that prefers character driven stories if there's no plot i'm going to read it like i love a plotless story you Mm -hmm. know because i love character studies but the issue with this book which is i would say sort of a character study in the sense that there's not really a plot. It attempts to be a character study. It, it attempts study. to be a character study, right. Um, but, like, there's no plot, you know? Mm-hmm. The the concept is these two people meet and they decide to meet up every single year on the same day. That's the concept. That's a very character-driven concept, right? Yeah. The issue is that we never study the characters. We never see them develop. We never see them change throughout the five years. They're always the same as they were or or they say i remember like in the first between the first and the second november um ben is talking about fallon and he says how she's a completely different person but where yeah we don't see see any change and even if she has changed well why Mm -hmm. you know i was thinking about it after i finished and i was like even if we could have just gotten like you know what have been so interesting if there could have been some like intermission yeah between each november 9th if we could have had like an intermission of just like a chapter, you know, one one chapter for Ben, one chapter one chapter for Fallon. Mm-hmm. And just like in between those where we see what their life is like during this year. 
And we get to see the things that happen to them and the ways that they change and, like, grow or even, like, regress. Like, that's fine. And we fine. get to experience it with them. Yeah. And, like, I just don't... I mean, I... Okay. So, like, there's this part in the book where um, they're talking with... I think it's Ben's, like, brother and his um, and his friends. Tate from Ugly Love oh. shows up. Mm, yeah. And they're talking about his relationship with Fallon. And they say, oh, well, it's like Sleepless in Seattle. And he's like, no, it's not. And they're like, oh, well, it's like that movie One Day with Anne Hathaway. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't help but think. Like, I, first of all, I laughed. And, like, I couldn't help but think that that was Colleen Hoover like trying to like like she was trying to like get away from the from the comparisons before anyone even read the book Mm -hmm. she's like i feel like they're gonna compare this so let's stop it here and like i have to say it's fine if your concept isn't completely original as long as your story is do you get what i'm saying yeah because like this is a trope you know tropes are there for a reason and like tropes are fine we love tropes but what matters is if your story is interesting. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they brought up in this conversation when they were comparing Fallon and Ben's relationship to One Day with Anne Hathaway is that the characters in that movie stay in contact with each other right. throughout the year, but they only physically see each other. You know, Ben and Fallon, meanwhile, have blocked each other on all social media. They don't have their phone numbers. Or emails. Or emails. They have have no way of contacting each other. Even when they actually see each other on November 9th, if one of them is late, they have to call the place that they are meeting up at and be like, hey, is this person named Ben there? I have to talk to him and tell him that I'm late because they don't have each other's phone numbers. Like, that's Mm -hmm. how separate, that's how separated they are from each other. And... I think it did a real disservice because the fact that they don't have any connection to each other is like, it's the most unrealistic thing because they spend a total of like 40 hours together in the entire book. They calculated it. They calculated it. It's 28 hours. No, that was that. Then there's like, then they spend like more time together. That's around like, I think the like third or fourth November 9th. That's true. They spend more, like there's two more after that or something like that. Three. Three three overall. (laughs) Anyway, I don't care. Um, They spent a total of, like, 40 hours together. And I'm being generous with that. Throughout six years. Yeah. 40 hours throughout six years is nothing. How am I supposed to believe that they have this intense connection, especially when I don't see anything in between? Mm -hmm. You know? Like, I don't get it. It wasn't believable to me. Like, we're constantly told that they kept thinking about the other person throughout the entire year, and it was so difficult. But But I I didn't see see it. it. I don't see it. It was literally, this book to me was the entire it was literally the physical representation of telling not showing Mm -hmm. that's what this book is to me because first of all colleen hoover's writing in general is not for me i'm sorry to the people listen this is my opinion you're allowed to have it i don't know i'm saying this to anybody that loves colleen hoover that might be (laughs) listening to this if you like her I am happy that you like her. Mm-hmm. I am happy that you found an author that you take comfort in, that you found a story that you can relate to and connect to and be emotionally invested in. That being said, I at no point have to hide my opinions when it is my own. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I don't understand. If I, here's something that I've seen a lot with um a lot of like people that are trying to defend a lot of what Colleen Hoover does mm-hmm. if somebody says 
Like, well, you cannot like her books, but you can't say that she's a bad author. I don't agree with that yeah. because that's still an opinion. And I'm sorry, if I don't like the characters, if I don't like the writing, if I don't like the story, if I don't like the development, what part of that am I supposed to look at and say, but she's still a good author? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's like a bad author for me. She's not an author for me, in my opinion. She doesn't do any of the things that I need to enjoy a book. And that's fine. It's like my opinion. And if my, I have a friend who did read her and liked her, I'm like, I'm really happy you liked her. Yeah, you know? most people do like her. And I know that I am not in the majority here. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not going to change my opinion that she is not a good author to me. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't like the way that she handles her characters. I think that... She, she really is just an author that chooses to tell and not show. Her books have these wild concepts that don't have any development. Yeah, and I think a lot of the themes that she uses in her books are solely there to um, get her reader to feel emotions, but in a way that's just just for the sake of getting them like to cry to have this emotional reaction yeah and that's it like not even telling the story it's not interwoven like beautifully in my opinion I think like uh which is another thing that I don't love about Colleen Hoover that for her like she uses a lot of themes um and traumas to be as plot points in her stories yeah um and I don't love the way it's handled so for me she's not an author that I like gravitate towards yeah in general to me her writing is a big issue of mine Mm -hmm. i don't gravitate towards it it sounds it's very stilted it's very stilted and it's very like just like generic which Mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing but the thing is is that because like sally rooney does also have that very straightforward sort of writing style where she has these moments of like very barefaced conversations and then she will like switch into very like deep introspective inner monologues with her characters and it works really well because she knows her characters and she knows her story and she takes the time to develop it Mm -hmm. but the thing with Colleen Hoover is that it's like she's trying to make this story as like emotionally impactful as possible without putting any of the effort in and it does that and it comes off as like very fake deep where like she tries to sound very like super poetic but like it misses the points that she's trying to hit yeah and like I don't know it like it just it's not for me yeah I um I started reading it um like as an ebook copy mm-hmm. um I also did in I the first in the first um in the first couple pages I got really frustrated because like I don't know I, I'm, again I'm not the biggest fan of her writing and usually I can like deal with um general writing or like oh, yeah, no, lyrical I'm flowery writing but for here I was just like I'm not really feeling it so I listened to the audiobook and I think for was me was it good like I like the narrators oh, okay no because sometimes that because sometimes that can change like you know right no for if me if a narrator is bad I've heard I don't really listen to audiobooks I can't like I can't grasp anything that they're saying mm-hmm. um I stick to like reading physically or like on an ebook um, but I've heard that, like, narrators can really change the way that you take in a story. They definitely can. Um, that's why, like, I know, like, what I do is before I get an audiobook, I listen to a sample of the audiobook, and I listen to the two narrators if oh, I don't okay. know them. But I think Andy Arndt narrated this one, and she's, like, an amazing narrator. She narrates a lot of romance books. And they both had amazing voices. They both, like, gave more depth to the character than I thought they, you know, was actually written in, on the page so maybe I, think I should have listened to this as an audiobook because there was a it. point because there was a point where I was like reading I was like I was like I read this book very quickly by the way I read it within uh I think 
I started reading it at night and then by the next morning I was finished with it Mm because like first of all it's a very short book also I was reading it on my phone and I tend to go through books faster when I'm reading it digitally um and also I was quite honestly I was trying to get through it as fast as possible because by the 25% mark I was already like so done with it Mm -hmm. you know and like so I think there was a point where I was reading it and like I think this was part of like my brain trying to like you know like like protect me from being as annoyed as possible because i was reading it in the most like monotone interval like ben said this oh my and god then yeah. i said like because i was getting so frustrated so maybe i should have listened to the audiobook. like i think the audiobook was one of the only reasons i got through it as quickly as i did because um it was only nine hours i listened to it double speed but i still had to take a break in the middle we'll get into that yeah i had to take a break in the middle um the frustration i felt was too stark i think one of the funniest things about us reading this book is that you started it before me Mm -hmm. i was really procrastinating starting this book because i was nervous i was like i need to give this book i need to go in with an open mind and i was really like working up to it and then liraz texted me and she was like okay you know like um we're gonna like do it on this and this day like do you think that you'll be finished with it by then and i was like I don't know. The next day, I just sent her finished. <laughs> I was so I was so, so like, shocked. I was so like, because I, I started that night when she sent me the text. I was like, okay, now I have to get this done, and it was yeah. <laughs> I think um, that that yeah, we we needed to finish it so we can be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I think for now we're done with the non-spoiler part. We're going to move on to the spoiler part. Yeah. If you have not read this book and you're interested in reading it uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, you may leave now. But if you have read this book and you want to, you know, listen to us talk about it or if you haven't read this book and are not planning to read this book, stay Stick around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay and listen to our opinions. <laughs> um. So from here on out, we're going to be talking full spoilers. Um. I think I think I can give just like a very brief overview of what happens in each November just to like for clarity's sake, you know. Mm-hmm. So like we get to the first November when they um, meet. when they meet. Fallon is a victim of a fire that happened 2 years ago. She was 16 when it happened. She's 18 at the start of the book and she almost died in this fire and now she is scarred on the left side of her face and, and her body and like her upper body mm-hmm. right from like chest to, to her waist yeah something like that right um she was in this fire at her father's house and her father forgot that she was there so he didn't save her yeah and so that's why she almost died that's why she's uh, as scarred as she is two years later they're having this discussion on november 9th the anniversary of the fire um, where she's telling him that she's moving to New York. They get into an argument and then Ben shows up out of nowhere, sits down next to her and acts like he is her boyfriend. Now, they don't know each other at this they point. They have never met. They've he just... was just like listening in on her conversation or overhearing it. Eavesdropping. Um, <laughs> and decided that he needed to, quote unquote, save her. Um, he gets into like ki- a kind of argument with her father yeah. where he like defends her and then her father just like leaves and then ben and fallon end up spending the rest of the day together um he helps her pack for her move to new york and they end up agreeing to meet up every year on november 9th and they share a kiss in the airport before they part ways and they agree to block each other on social media and not take each other's numbers so it'll be more quote-unquote special when they see each other once a year Mm -hmm. right and the reason that they do this is because fallon's mom for some reason 
told Fallon that she can't fall in love with anybody until she's 23 years old. I think she had this philosophy of saying, like, you can only, like, know yourself in this years, and then when you're 23, then you can start, like, be dating yeah. people or Something whatever. to do with, because, because Fallon's mom married her father when she was 23, and they yeah. ended up divorcing. I would argue that relationships are a huge part of getting to know who you are, not just romantic relationships, by the way, also friendships mm-hmm. and enemies, um, but that's just me. I don't think that you can truly know yourself unless you have relationships to help you discover who you are. Um, Fallon's mom. Anyway, so that's how that happens. That's the whole reason that they agree to meet up every year on November 9th. So we get to the 2nd November. Honestly, nothing like really happens. Um, Fallon meets Ben's brother, Kyle and Ian. Um, Kyle and Ben get into a fight, but we, the readers, don't know why. Um, Ben gets a tattoo Fallon gets on a plane to go back to New York and basically like it's like that's it like yeah nothing really happens over there it's pretty short third November comes around Fallon's waiting in New York for Ben to come meet her and then he doesn't show up and he calls her and he's like my brother Kyle just died (laughs) like that's not funny but it's the way that it just happens out of nowhere because like the last time that we saw Kyle he was like punching Ben or something again or like shoving him up against the wall and then the next time that we hear he's like Kyle is dead um Kyle also on the 2nd November we learned that he has a fiance and Jordan Jordan right Mm -hmm. and And she is now uh so by the time that he died she is a few months pregnant eight months I think eight months pregnant yeah she's like I thought she was early no she's like into her pregnancy oh okay so so Jordan is pregnant and now she is a widower and pregnant yep um so fallon obviously hears this and flies to california where ben is uh to support him through this whole funeral ben and fallon end up sleeping together and decide that they are going to try and make a relationship work they're like i don't care if we're not 23 yet blah 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 i'm going to come here or no ben Ben says that ben says that he's going to move to new york and they're going to try and make a relationship work the very next morning on November 10th, I guess, um, Fallon hears Jordan, Ben's sister-in-law, talking about how um, Ben, who's a writer, um, how he has an agent for his book that he's writing, which is based on Fallon and Ben's story together. Yeah, that they only meet, like, on November 9th. Yeah, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And how alone Jordan feels after her husband is dead, and Fallon is like, okay, well, I can't take Ben away from his life over here, especially now that he needs to help support his sister-in-law and he's got this, like, agent for his book that's based off of us. So, like, I'm not going to get in the middle of this. And she's about to leave and Ben sees her, like, about to leave. Like, she didn't think to say goodbye. Yeah, she was just, like, going to go out the door. It's <laughs> like, like, bye ya. And you just like, lost your brother, but he's bye. He's like, where are you going? And she's like, we can't make this work. And he's like, what? And she's like, she's like, no, we'll keep on doing the November 9th thing. And he's like, what? So she leaves. And then, so we get to the 4th November, which is, I think, the shortest It's I wrote, I wrote on my notes, completely unnecessary. And it had no reason to be there. Yeah. Yeah, so the 4th November, it's been a year since Fallon left, and now she has decided to move back to California. So she's leaving New York, and she's come back to California, and she has decided that what she did a year ago was a mistake. She wants to be with Ben. So she shows up, and Ben shows up, and he's got 
his nephew, Jordan's baby, with his dead brother, Kyle. And it comes out that Ben is dating Jordan. Why are you laughing? Because it's so ridiculous. (laughs) And Fallon is like, huh? And then, so, like, they have an argument. And, like, for some reason, Fallon is angry that Ben moved on. Now, I agree that Ben dating his sister-in-law is a choice it's yeah mm. however i don't agree that fallon had a reason to be angry just saying anyway we get to the 5th november um it's been a year again and fallon who is now living in california for a year um she's decided that like she's not going to see ben Mm -hmm. um like they're not doing november 9th anymore and so she's out at this club with her best friend what's her name Samantha? Could it be? So she's out with her best <laughs> friend and um, this guy that she's been seeing. She went on like two, three dates with yeah, him or she's something. Been, Not, she's been on a few yeah. dates with this guy and like everybody's kind of making fun of him because he wears like pants that have whales on them. Sharks? No, they're whales. Oh my God. They're okay. whales. Um, so like all of a sudden Ben shows up at this club and she's like, what is he doing here? Like, how does he know that I'm here? I said that I wasn't meeting up with you, like blah, blah, blah. Um, he tells her, like, her date, whose name I also can't remember, um, he tells her date that he's in love with Fallon, and Fallon goes home with him. Um, he's, like, trying to get her to come home with him this entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, she's not listening, like, she's not giving in. And so he just decides to, like, tell her date that he's, like, I'm in love with her, so, like, I'm gonna go home with her. And, like, you're just gonna have to, like, take it. And then so Fallon goes home with him. Obviously. Um, then, so like they spend the night together again. And the next morning when they finally supposedly have reached this decent place, Fallon finds the manuscript that Ben has been writing about for like their story. five years now. This is the 5th of November. So he's he's been writing this for five years now. And she reads a chap- a single chapter, and the chapter that she just happens to read oh is the chapter that uh, that states that Ben is the one who set the fire in her father's house that almost killed her. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for just a second. That's the grand plot twist. Um, so she's, like, obviously pissed. Ben comes out, and he's like, what are you doing, Fallon? And she's like, is this true? And he's like, yeah. And so she's like, well, we're obviously over. So she, so he, like, tries to get her to read the whole manuscript, and, like... He shoves it in her hand. She's in this taxi cab, right? And he's, like, trying to shove the, like, unstable manuscript He's, like, shoving pages at her, and she's, like, throwing them right back out the window. Like, that was so funny. I know. It's so funny. It was supposed to be dramatic, and, I like... I know that this is a very traumatizing moment for her. She thinks that this fire was an accident. She almost died, and it's, like, a very serious moment. But, like, Ben is shoving the, the manuscript, and she's, like, throwing them right back she's out. She's also, like, closing the window while yeah. he's shoving it in. It's, like... And then she looks back as she's driving away, and Ben is just, like, on his knees in the middle of the road with these, like papers flying everywhere that's like i set the fire (laughs) okay 
Um, and that's how we end that November. And then we get to the sixth and final November. So like obviously it's been a whole new it's been a whole nother year. They have not talked. They have not spoken. Oh my god, Fallon gets a restraining yeah, order against I wrote that too. Ben. I was like, wow. Yeah, so Fallon gets a restraining order against Ben. However, he decides to break his restraining order by dropping off his manuscript at her apartment door. Mm-hmm. And then like he like knocks and then he just like runs away. <laughs> The picture I had in my head. Because, like, we don't see him. Because, like, it's Fallon's point of view. And she's like, there was a knock on my door. I open it and nobody's there. And she looks at the floor and there's just, like, a box. (laughs) It's it's Ben's manuscript. Okay. Um, So she picks it up. And she, um, so she just, like, leaves it. And then she's, like, not intending to read it. She and goes to her room and cries. Yeah. Basically. And then uh, she comes out a few hours later and her mom is there reading the manuscript. And her mom is, like, crying. And she's, like, she's, like, Fallon, is this true? And she's, like, yeah. And she's, like, you need to accept his apology or whatever. Her mom is, her mom is, like, poor boy. he's been through so much. You have no idea what he's been through. And Fallon is, like, oh, my God, maybe I don't know his side of the story. So she decides to read the manuscript. And this is where we get this, like, and at least on my phone, it was like, it was like 30, like 50 pages from the end of the book. Mm-hmm. We finally get the backstory. Finally. Um. So basically the whole uh, like thing, the whole timeline leading up to Ben, you know, setting the fire uh, that almost killed Fallon and scarred her body permanently and traumatized her for life. Um. So Ben's mother killed herself. And on November 9th. On November 9th. And Ben found the body and discovered... And he's, like, obviously super traumatized. He's 16. This is, like, a really devastating thing that just happened. So he's trying to figure out what... Like, why did her mother do this? So he's, like, going through her phone, I think it is. And he mm-hmm. finds, like, a bunch of these messages between his mom and someone that he finds out is Fallon's father, who's, like, this famous actor. Yeah. Right? So obviously he doesn't know who Fallon is but he looks up the father's address and drives there. Um, And so he's like standing there (laughs) watching the dad like come home and he's got this car and there's just like this like few like pages where Ben just like watches Fallon's dad like washing and waxing his car. Yeah, very unnecessary. It's like like, goes like very into detail. No, I'll tell you something. I think Colleen Hoover did that because afterwards, so while the Fallon's dad is washing his car, he gets a phone call. Yeah, no, so like this is how this is how um Fallon's father finds out that that was a lot of Fs. <laughs> so this is how he finds out that Ben's mother is dead. So he gets the call and Ben is watching as he gets the call. And the dad, he like has this moment where he just like he like, he reacts basically. Like, he throws no, the yeah. the whatever the cloth that he was cleaning with on the floor. Something, and he like punches the air. Like I remember that. And then he goes inside, and Ben is like, "Well, he wasn't showing enough grief. He's the reason my father is dead. My so mother, he, mother, my mother is dead. What happened to Ben's father? He died, right? Like, when he was like younger. When he was young, yeah, yeah. We don't even get anything about him. Okay. Anyway, so he's like, he's like, that's the reason my mother is dead, and he didn't even show enough grief. So he just, so he's like, I bet that he would feel more upset if the car was ruined than like he was when he found out that my mother was dead. So he decides that he's going to set the car on fire. Because, yeah. Sure. Logic. Um, but the, the, the fire spreads and the house catches fire. (laughs) This isn't funny. No. But it's, it's what happened. But the fire, the, the fire spreads and the house catches on fire. 
And so he's like, oh my God, what do I do? So he just like goes home and he tells his brother Kyle and he's like, I set that fire because it's like all over the news now. And that's when Ben sees that this girl Fallon has been caught in the fire and she's now in like intensive care, yeah. right? Yeah. And like at the time, they didn't know if she was going to live. Like she obviously she does. She was in critical condition. And she was like being pulled into surgery and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Ben is like, oh my God, like I just might have killed this girl. Whoops. And then um, so Kyla's like, whenever like the news comes out that Fallon's fine, she's just going to be like very scarred and like her she had a career as an actress as at yeah. 16 and then the show that she was on let her go or they said that she like quit but the show she was on let her go because of her scars yeah and so like when it comes out that she's like fine that she's like gonna live so kyle is like well you just can't tell anybody about this and ben keeps the secret but like he's been so like guilty like he's been feeling so guilty about this for so long so for two years he's basically just like throwing his life away he's like drinking all the time and he's like sleeping with a whole bunch of girls because apparently that's the only way that we can show that we're grieving yeah is by alcoholism and sluttiness like i love it i love the slutty part but like that's how men grieve yeah um anyway like i would have loved it if we got like some more but i um, mean like i don't know I, I was annoyed in those parts because I was like, okay, imagine you're his brothers. He had two older brothers. In what, like, in what universe do you say, like, oh, yeah, he just lost, like, his mom and he committed, like, arson, at least for Kyle. Like, Kyle knew. Yeah. He just lost his mom. He found his mom's dead body. Yeah. Okay, he had to be there. And, like, he doesn't need a therapist. He doesn't need to see anyone. Yeah, like, nobody thought that he could have, like, used some therapy. Yeah, they were all, like... Because, like, there's this moment where Jordan... Oh, my God, I completely forgot. Okay, so uh, the day after he oh, yeah. set this fire, the day after Ben set this fire and nearly killed Fallon, so he's, like, shit-talking his mom, obviously, because he's, like, grieving, and his other brother, Ian, is, like, don't talk about mom like that, and he's, like, she left us, and he's like, did you even read her suicide note? And Ben is like, no. And so Ian is like, hold on. He goes to the police station. Runs to the police station. <laughs> comes back and shows Ben the suicide note. And it's that his mom got cancer. Ovarian cancer. And decided to end it all before the cancer ended her. Mm-hmm. No problem. Fine. So basically Ben set this fire for nothing. Um, and that's where his whole, like, tailspin of grief goes, where, like, again, the only way that we can show grief is through alcoholism and sleeping around. He was also feeling very guilty about it all, so like, that just added to the fire, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. But anyway, so, like, then it would come full circle in this manuscript that Fallon is still reading. And, by the way, this is, like, four chapters in. Like, yeah. you see the manuscript, and this all takes place in, like, four chapters. Okay. Um, so we go back to the very beginning of the novel where Ben meets Fallon and he's like, it's cause like he see, he goes to his mom's grave and he sees Fallon's father and he's at his mom's grave and he's like, maybe I need to like make up for this. So he follows her father to the restaurant where Fallon ended up having that argument and he's like listening in on Fallon and his dad and her dad's conversation and that's where they meet and then that's where the manuscript basically leaves off and then we switch to Ben's like present day point of view and he's waiting in this diner that they've been meeting at forever basically since they met in the first November 9th mm-hmm. 
And he's like, oh, like, she's going to come. It's like 11.59, by the way, on November 9th. And he's like, maybe she's not coming. So he's, like, in the parking lot. And Fallon is like, Ben. And he turns around and she's, like, just pulling up. And then they kiss. And then, like, that's what happens. And um, there's a lot to unpack with this entire novel. Um, But, like, just the plot alone is so much (laughs) i have never read a contemporary novel that was so unrealistic in my entire life like i think it's like not marketed well in my opinion it's not contemporary romance first of all i am sorry when i got to the plot twist that ben was the one that set the fire immediately my first thought is this is a horror novel i know like in what world is this a romance novel (laughs) the plot of a psychological thriller this is some shit that Gillian Flynn could have done (laughs) so much better if she would have taken the story and done her little magic with it. Okay, let me tell you. A girl has been in a fire that almost killed her and she is now scarred for life. A strange man shows up, pretends to be her boyfriend, and they end up making a pact to meet up every single year on the same day. It comes out that that boy who has been quote-unquote falling in love with her for the past however many years it's been since five years at that point five years when she finds out that he is the one who set the fire that almost killed her that is the plot of a horror novel yep (laughs) that is the plot of a stalker thriller because he knows the whole time that he's the one who set the fire he knows fallon he knows who she is he knows who she is the whole time and I have to say, some of the shit that he says about mm. her scars during this... Oh, my God. Aside from the way that Ben treats her, the way that he speaks about her scars in general... Is, is sickening. Some, is so creepy. I have my copy here on my phone, and I've been highlighting everything that he says that's, like, gross, basically. Um, I mean, like, Liraz, would you like to start off? Okay, yeah. So, first, let's um, let's start about talking... Ben has a lot of issues with his character, but the way he treats Fallon's body, like you said, is very uncomfortable. Um, so for me, it's from the beginning, from the first page of the of the book, um, you kind of like you see like from Fallon's Fallon's point of view, and then you switch to Ben's. Yeah, and Ben's dual point POV. of view is literally the first thing that he thinks is like, I I looked at her and I looked at her ass. That's the first thing I noticed about her. And then I noticed that she's wearing a long shirt that sews no cleavage, and it's summer. So how dare she sew no cleavage? I then, have the uh, quote right here. This is Ben's first. Um, this is Ben's first time. Like this is Ben's first chapter of the entire book, and this is when they are still at the restaurant. And never his, spoken to her. Never, never spoken anything. to her. And on my copy, at least, this is page 35 out of 345 pages. I don't know what that is in the actual physical copy, but just for just for clarity, um, he goes, I seem to have a one-track mind, and that track leads straight to the two things I shouldn't even be thinking about right now. Her boobs, both of them, blah, 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 blah. It's pushing 80 degrees outside. She should be in something a little less convent-inspired. Ugh. Anyway... Um, yeah, so, um... The next page, I'm sorry, the very next page, that was page 35, this is page 36, um, she's, like, talking about something, and then he goes, and of course, this thought leads me to her breasts again. Are they scarred, too? How much of her body is actually affected? That is so disgusting and sickening, especially because you're the one that caused those scars. Mm -hmm. And, like, I have to say this, I don't care how much guilt Ben feels about the fire because from the second that he sees Fallon all of that guilt goes out the window 
just to objectify her. Yeah. And, like, I don't care what kind of backwards-ass logic every person and Colleen Hoover herself try to make when they say, oh, but it's to keep it a secret that he's the one that set the fire. Okay, I don't give a shit. If anything, that just makes it worse because you're making it seem like this huge traumatic point in her life Mm -hmm. is all boiled down to this one moment where we can be like, he set the fire. (gasps) Gasp. Yeah. Like, what? Not only that, I think, like, he has this, like, for me, it's, like, a morbid fascination with her body. Yeah. And he keeps, like, touching her scars without her permission. He keeps, like, he, he her body, he feels entitled to it. Throughout the entire book, you see it. And I was very sickened. And there was one thing that he said where I, like, I had, this was in the first I couple think pages. I, I think I know what it is because, like, I also have it on my copy. I don't know, <laughs> but, like, I wrote this down and I was, like, in my notes, I'm like, he has the audacity to tell her that he was relieved that she was insecure about her scars because he meant he had a chance with her. Yeah. Because it meant she didn't know how beautiful she was. And then it, like, like yeah, I'm so sorry. The direct quote is, um, I was so relieved because I could tell with that one simple movement, basically she like moves her hair in front of her face so yeah, that nobody sees her. Yeah, her scars. Um, so he goes, I was so relieved because I could tell with that one simple moment that you were really insecure. And I realized since you obviously had no idea how fucking beautiful you were, that I just might actually have a chance with you. And so I smiled because I was hoping if I played my cards right, I might get to find out exactly what kind of panties you were wearing under those jeans. This is page 49. Objectifying They've known each other for two hours. They've known each other for two hours at this point. The first time they've talked. This is the first conversation they're having. This is like, yeah, this is the first real conversation that they're having. And like, it's, it boggles me because ignore the fact, even when I was reading this before knowing anything, like this is the first chapter. This is the first time they've met. We're getting introduced to these characters. And for whatever reason, Ben's fascination with Fallon is completely about her scars and her body and the way she can be used for his pleasure. That's literally all he's thinking about. I have to talk about this. As far as the characters go, um, when I say that the characters have, like, absolutely no development, I mean it in the sense that Fallon is not even a real character. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm Diraz, but, like, I personally don't know a single thing about her other than the fact that she has scars and she likes books. She hasn't even read a book in the entire like, book. I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. I don't give a shit about yeah. that. I don't care. If she says she likes books, fine. She likes books. Do we know anything else about her? Nothing. She wants to be an actress. That's it. Do we know anything about her personality? Nope. Other than the fact that she's like constantly crying. Sometimes it's justified. We will be getting oh into my God, that. Yeah. Sometimes she just like starts crying for no reason. But like, okay, like fine. But, like, we don't know anything about her. The only Nothing. reason that we know anything about Ben is because he's the one that set the fire. And to, quote-unquote, justify his actions, Redeem him. we have to get his backstory. Mm-hmm. But if Ben wasn't the one that set this fire, and if it was literally just, like, the same story, but, like, cutting that shit out, then, like, we wouldn't know anything about him either other than the fact that he weirdly, like, fetishizes her scars. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I have to, like, okay. The first time that they, like, are actually having, a like, a real conversation with each other. So, like, Fallon is talking about how she's, like, really insecure about her scars. And she doesn't like other people seeing her and everything. Because, like, they always look down. And he goes, you want to know what I thought when I saw you for the first time. And you think that he's going to give some, like, really emotional, like, like impactful... impactful like statement and he goes the first time you walked past me i stared at your ass the whole time you were stomping away and i couldn't help but wonder what kind of panties you had on 
And like chivalry is not dead thanks to Ben. That's all I have to say. No, because like it gets even worse because he's in her apartment. I don't know why you would invite. I don't know why you would invite a stranger to your apartment for the first time. But like, go off, I guess. Um. So like he. So like he. He's in her apartment for the first time because like he's helping her pack for her. They've known each other for two hours, by the way. Yeah, and like she even says that Mm -hmm. at one point, and he's like looking through her stuff, and he's like, "Is that your panty drawer?" First of all, I hate that word. Like I just use the word underwear, but like I hate that word. And he's like, he's like, "Is that your panty drawer?" And he's like. Oh well, if you're packing underwear, that means that you that uh, that you're not going commando. So by process of elimination, I figured that you're currently wearing a thong. So I just have to find out what color it is. And I'm like, what? And then we get into like one of my least favorite parts of the entire book, it's where so Fallon says um, that like she makes this comment about like, oh, it's gonna take a lot more than like uh, than like flattery to get you to figure out what color my underwear is. And he's like oh what like a fancy dinner and that's where it turns into this thing of like they decide that they're going out to dinner that night and ben decides to take it upon himself you know to take the responsibility of choosing what she's going to be wearing he said also what he he like he went through her closet right and then he chose a dress and she was like i'm not comfortable with this dress because it's very revealing then he said i'm paying for the meal so i get to choose what to look at I'm literally, I'm literally staring at it right now. And, like, it gets even worse after because Fallon goes, okay, well, then I'm going to pay for dinner and I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And he's like, well, I'm going to stand you up. What? Because, like, that's what, you know, that's what every girl wants to hear. The first time you meet someone, he's so swoon-worthy. He's like, if you don't wear what I want you to wear so I can objectify you, what good are you to me? Why would I want to, like, stay with you and have dinner with you? And, like, the thing is, is that if this is, like, a long-standing couple and they make these jokes, like, I can understand because, like, there are couples, because, like, there are couples that really have that, like, that, like, comfort with each other, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I can understand it. I can support it because I'm, like, okay, like, humor. I love, I make jokes like that all the time about how I feed into the male gaze all the time but when it's somebody that you just met and when they are clearly being like very serious Mm -hmm. and like even if you thought that it was a joke when he said that believe me it gets even worse later on in this same scene because he tells her so like right before like he goes to her like it's your own fault that people are uncomfortable looking at you like he blames it on her and then so he's like trying to like i guess get her to see how like gorgeous she is or whatever And he decides that the right course of action is to physically undress her. Without her permission, just go on, get her shirt off, and, like, you know, start undressing her completely. Yeah. He didn't ask her her permission. She was physically shaking and crying. Yeah, she starts to cry. Like, actual tears are streaming down her face. She is... Like, very obviously not comfortable. In her inner monologue, she says, I don't want this. I want him to stop. In her inner monologue, she's literally saying that, like, she has no idea what's going on. And that she's just, like, looking. And she's saying, like, she's physically frozen. Like, she Mm -hmm. can't do anything. And at one point, so she goes, um, he goes, so in her inner monologue, she goes, his fingers begin to rise up on my hips, on my hands and wrists, just as the first tear falls down my cheek. The tear doesn't phase him, though. So, like, obviously, he does not care that she's crying. Yep. He does not care. And she goes, like, this is going too far. It's too far, too far, too far. But all I can do is suck in a wild breath and let it, whatever. And then she's, like, saying how she, like, can't move. Um, She's, like, I'm not sure what he's doing, but I'm too immobile to ask. And she's, like, and so he's, like, you got to lift your arm so I can take off your shirt. And she's not moving. And he's, like, lift your arms, Fallon. 
and she lifts them and he puts and he takes the dress that he wanted her to wear which is a more revealing dress which is why she didn't want to put it on because she's not comfortable with people seeing that much of her body because mm-hmm. she knows how uncomfortable everyone is looking at her scars and he takes the dress after he's undressed her while she's crying and he physically puts it on her himself and then he looks at her and he's like oh like you're so beautiful or whatever and she has this moment where she's like oh he's not doing this for his own pleasure he's doing it to like get me to see my own like beauty or whatever bullshit but i'm sorry (laughs) that's complete bullshit because in the next paragraph he starts to laugh and he's like red and she's like what and she's like the dress is black and he's like no but your underwear is red so like obviously this isn't like you get what i'm saying yeah like look this is the first time you've met this guy he you told him you expressed explicitly expressed that you were uncomfortable with um wearing that dress or you were uncomfortable with people seeing your body right and then he goes and takes your clothes off an you're hour crying. after meeting you. You're crying. You're shaking. You don't want to do this. He takes your clothes off. He puts the sh- dress he wanted to wear for his pleasure on you. And then he proceeds to like... Make a joke about the color of your underwear. While she's still shaking and crying. And literally like right after that, he's like, oh, like your underwear is red. She goes, I let out a burst of what I thought was going to be laughter, but it sounds more like a warbled cry. That's when I realized tears are still dr- are streaming down my cheeks. Like she is still crying. She's, I-, I swear, she's like having a traumatic experience right here. And this man is horny. Like, it, in what I world? I hate him so much. Like, no, because I hate him so much. And then it gets even worse because, like, throughout the entire time, like, he just acts like he owns her. Yeah. He tells her what to do with her body. He tells her, oh, my God, after they, after the first November, he tells her, like, she gives him, like, a list of books to read for their next November, which I think is nice, cute, okay? He tells her, you have to date at least two guys and, uh, and like, kiss them. Yeah, he says that she's not experienced enough for a yeah. girl of her age. 18. Okay, her age is 18. But then she's like, I'm not comfortable with this. What the fuck am this. I then? <laughs> I don't know. We're not getting into this now. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Wait, wait. But the thing is, she's like, I don't want to. I don't want, he's like, you have to or something like that he not these words but he's like you gotta do it or else like there's this one part that i really hate again like talking about the way that he like fetishizes her scars he goes i should hate this for you as he's like touching her body he's like i should hate this for you and i should be angry for you because going through this must have been excruciatingly painful but for whatever reason when i touch you i like the way your skin feels and then he's like uh he's like in his own inner monologue he's like um I suddenly feel grateful for her scars because they're a reminder of how it could have been so much worse and she could have died in that fire and she wouldn't be next to me right now. And like it just when you hear when you like think about it in the context of the story, knowing that he's the first of all, in general, it's gross. But like when you think about it in the actual context of the story, knowing that he's the one who set the fire and caused those scars, it's so much worse because it's like he's trying to like put some sort of like twisted justification on his own actions you know what i'm saying like well i might have done it but like think about how much worse it could have been and it's what led us here together finally it's what brought me and her to be together it's it's fate so gross like oh my god oh and then so like when they meet up for dinner she's wearing the fucking dress right and he goes um 
So it's again in his own inner monologue. My eyes fall to the dress first. I have to give myself props for picking this one out. There's just enough showing at her neckline to keep me good and happy, but I'm not even positive I'll be able to look away from her face long enough to stare at her cleavage. Am I supposed to say thank you that you consider my face pretty enough to not stare at my boobs in a dress that I didn't even want to be wearing? Like, what an amazing guy. Like, honestly, wow. I Good hate job. him. Oh, my God. And like, this ugh. is our first meeting. How am I supposed to root for this guy? I just met him, and I hate him. Like, by this point of the book, I'm, like, chapter one. This is chapter one still. This is the first November. Not the first chapter, but, like, the first, like, part. Like, yeah, yeah the first part. It's, like... I think two or three, right? Something like that. One of them. Care. I don't know. Um, but I was like, if I did not have to read this, if me and Michelle were not planning to read this for this podcast, I would not have kept yeah, on going. I would have stopped. stopped reading I would have. I would have just given up on it because, like, I was getting mad at this point, and we were only we weren't even a hundred pages in. Yeah, we were still at the first November. Like that's so, like, oh my god, and like it just keeps on getting worse, and like the way that he just like objectifies her the way that he treats her like he's like she's his property like I couldn't I he creeped me out he creeped me out Liraz like I can't explain it to you like how much like I was reading and I was like oh my god like if I met this guy I would literally like call my dad and I would be like send help like please you know it just like and it, it boggles my mind how like this is supposed to be romantic I'm i supposed have to, to bring up another them? point where he's again like making trying to make like some sort of weird justification for what he did like setting the fire because i think it's in the second november where he's talking um so he's like so she's saying that she doesn't feel um comfortable um and he oh because okay so when he starts writing the manuscript so she sees some of it and not so no he, she doesn't see it but he's talking about um how he like mentions her scars and she's like why would you talk about that and he's like because it's like it's you like it's our story and she's like i wanted like she's like i wanted you to fictionalize me like i wanted you to make me uh sh- oh so she says you can't make the main character a freak show no one wants to identify with that main character should be beautiful or whatever and so he stops her and it's like he doesn't first of all like that's a really like sad thing to say first of all, that you think that your scars make you, like, ugly and, like, a freak show. Um, But, like, God forbid Fallon gets therapy or anything like that to deal with her trauma. Who who would think to, like, Um, take a a 16-year-old who just suffered, like, fate, like, burns all over her bottle. And, like, clearly it's sticking with her because it's been been three years at this point and Mm -hmm. she still considers herself to be a, quote-unquote, freak show. Um, And so instead of, like, calming her down and saying that how she's like so like important and that like her scars don't make her any different so instead he says the only times i'm not completely enamored by you are the moments you're feeling sorry for yourself because i don't know if you've realized this yet but you're alive and every time you look in the mirror you don't have the right to hate what you see because you survived when a lot of people don't get that lucky you're the one that set the fi- you're the one that put her life in danger if this is not the textbook definition of gaslighting that's literal gaslighting I don't especially know when you look is. at it in the whole like context of the whole story like are you kidding me when you read that first of all without knowing the story itself that's weird like what right do you when have to you tell a burn victim not to when, feel sad for themselves especially when you don't have that same trauma yeah you know like she's allowed to not like her body she's allowed to complain about it like i don't understand and like when you like first of all just in general that's fucked when you look at it when you revisit the quote 
it makes after it so much finishing worse. the story knowing that he's the one who set the fire like i cannot stress this enough ben set the fire like i don't oh it pissed me off and so like okay like i just so like the scene that they sleep together i'm going like november by november you yeah know? like i'm going through my notes um third november now the right first the third november so when they sleep together this is just weird to me like this made me like cringe like ugh. so when they're like sleeping together he's like she's, she's like i'm a virgin and they're like literally like in the middle and he's like fallon thank you for this beautiful gift oh uh, no i hate that i hate when people do that ew that's so first of all first of all i really can we like give up this whole thing about like virginity being this you know i understand if it is like that for a lot of people it's a very important thing and like your first time should be a moment where like you feel safe and comfortable you know anytime should be feel safe and comfortable but your first time of course, especially your first time especially um I hate the idea of like her because giving later on, something from because, herself. So like not only did she say that, like not only did Ben say that, but later on she's like, I felt like I gave up a piece of myself. And she specifically says, it felt as if the second we joined together, a tiny piece of our souls got confused, and a piece of his fell into me, and a piece of mine fell into him. That's weird. Like the soul like, part, I don't care. But the the I felt like I gave up a piece of me was what bothered me more. Yeah. So okay, because like that part, like I understand it, because like that's kind of like a romantic like thing. You feel like now like you have this part of him and he mm-hmm. has this part of you, because like you guys are so connected. But right before that, she says like she's like you've lost a piece of yourself to the person like that's that you've just been with. Like that's weird to me. And like the idea, like it just perpetuate the whole concept Callie, of like thank vir- you for uh, this virginity, gift. Yeah. Like ew, like I hate that so much. I do understand like, this was written in 2015, where these things were still like very popular. Like I've read a bunch of 2015 romances, unfortunately, and they all have this in there. Like virginity is like this in- insane virtue, and once the girl gives it away to a guy, and the guy takes her virginity away, they're like. It, it, that's it she's not the same anymore and i, I just, have to say the only time that i've actually ever seen virginity like handled well in a romance novel is when addicted did it and like yeah. i'm i'm not a fan of like those books overall but like i do love um the rose addicted, and connor the addicted series by becca and krista ritchie by yes. the way <laughs> um I do, like, I. they are very entertaining. I'm not a fan of all of them as a whole, but, like, I love them. the way that virginity was handled in that book, I thought was, like, pretty fine with Rose, like, actually taking control of, like, how it, and when she wanted to do it and, like, how far she was willing to go and everything. Mm-hmm. That was fine. There are so many books also that are written right now that have this, this very, like, this better kind of understanding, <laughs> I guess, of, like, you know, take like virginity and sex in general it's very uh, sex positive lately the romance novels and i think it's immensely better than what happened in 2015 right now there are so some that are just not it but in as a whole what's really upsetting is a lot the better. fact that i think the fact is that colin hoover is still writing like this that's true that's the thing because like it's 2022 she's still releasing books that are written exactly like this and like nothing's changed yeah like we can have authors that were writing like this in 2015 and still like grow and change and improve and be like yeah maybe what i wrote then wasn't the best but then we have authors that are continuing to write like this i'm like i don't know um so like then we get into ben being incredibly violent and disgusting i just have to say something yes before we get to this part um i think like Right now, this is the no- the November that his brother died. So he has sex with her for the first time. Yeah. Um, 
on the night of his funeral or something. Yeah. That she came The over. wake or something. The wake, yeah. And um, I think, like, I, in a way, this was such, a, like, it wasn't written that way, but I sometimes add emotions to the, when emotions are lacking. So, like, imagine this guy. He's, like, 20-something years old. He just lost his brother. And he's, like, holding on to this girl and, like, to their future. And then this girl, you know, she wants to be there for him. And she just, like, feels like, oh, my God, we just had sex. Like, it's a huge moment. So both of them are very, very emotional. Mm -hmm. They're incredibly emotional. And they're feeling like something. The next day, it's like none of that happened. (laughs) Yeah, not even that. Because, like, literally the next morning is when she has that whole thing about how, like, I'm missing a part of myself now because he fucked me, I guess. Like... (laughs) Like, that, and then literally, if like, a few, not even a few hours later, literally, like, she thought, like, she thinks that in the morning, gets up, sees Jordan, and is like, peace. Like, yeah. So, she's like, like, what? She's like, I can't do that to him. She's, like, trying to be, like, you know, self-sacrificing and be like, I'm going to be the big person and let him live the life he needs to live. Blah. And, like, she wouldn't even give him a phone number, which, like, I mean, look, if this you don't want no to. This whole no phone number bullshit is so stupid. Y'all could have been together so much quicker. Listen, I understand if you want to leave to New York and be like, hey, stay here. Take care of your family. You need to do that. DM me on Instagram, phone though. Instagram, social media. You don't have to, like, completely sever from each other. Right? And like, this whole thing is so dumb. This is why I don't get this whole, like, blocking each other on social media bullshit. And Especially not only that, at this moment. I know, and not only that, like, from this moment on, from 3rd November on, they're, like, they're, like, they're holding on to this stupid concept of not seeing each other for a year, and it's redundant, like, completely not necessary. It also completely blocks any chance of character development or relationship development. And not only that, the only time they do try to reach out or they do try to see the other person is on November 9th. Like, the next November when she moves back... She she's in the same city yeah, as like him. She's, she's knows, been in she's been in LA for like a week or something. He or like knows a month. where she lives. She knows where he lives. What like why couldn't she's they go before? She's been to his house. He's in been to LA. hers. Her old oh is she living in the same apartment? Yeah, she came back to live with her uh, old roommate. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, they know they know and like especially Fallon after she's moved back because like he has no idea that she's moved back. Right. When they meet up again, but. She knows where he is. Why wait for the November 9th? Why? Right? Why, why like, wait? what was the point of that? Like, wouldn't it have been so much more romantic? I mean, like, I get in the context where he was dating Jordan, it wouldn't have been romantic. But afterwards. But the concept in general, it could have been so, like, knock, knock, knock. I'm here. I'm not seeing. Like, I'm I'm moving back. Like, we can be together. I know. Not only that, though. Like, right for the 4th fourth, fourth November, she discovers that he's with Jordan. Yeah. And then she runs out of the restaurant. He knows she's she's living here now. He went to Jordan. Yeah, like why talked, didn't when he broke up with Jordan? Yeah, like he why didn't he go break to up with Jordan literally like that week or something? That day. That he came day. home. He was like devastated. Jordan's like, listen, I don't think this is working for any of us. Why not like go there to was Fallon a whole that other moment? 365 days where y'all were separated and for what? Why wait? What's <laughs> like, the point? And the I next year as well. About that. No, that pissed me. Sorry, that like bothered me the entire half. Oh second God. half of the book because what stupidity do you two have to, what crack are you on <laughs> that like, this is then, okay like no like then you just waited like a whole mother like a year you're tortured by to not show seeing this person at the club that she's on a date at and to be like i'm in love with your date like bro she's sitting right there why don't you address her anyway? you only reached out to her by going on november 9th to her apartment. This is so <laughs> funny. Also, I have to say, I have to say, after Ben, like, 
wrote the manuscript, how did he think it was going to go? Yeah, like, in what world did he think, like, oh, you know what? Like, let's put this on paper. I'm going to have a publisher. Was he planning on publishing it and then telling her? Like, I have to ask. Anyway, so about Ben's violence. Wait, let's talk. uh, Okay, go talk about violence first. So just the 3rd November, they sleep together and Fallon dips, right? (laughs) Okay, cool. We get to Ben's. POV and he has this disgusting line where he's like trying to you know he's like trying to get her to stay yeah he's like no stay give me your number whatever and she's calling the and she's like literally about to open up the door to the cab and he goes I've never wanted to use physical force on a girl before but I want to push her to the ground and hold her there until the cab drives away if I was the cab driver I would have called the fucking police my guy if anyone just like a PSA if anyone ever says that to you run like run <laughs> and if you do have those thoughts maybe consider not maybe or like therapy? maybe like work those out maybe for yourself because like we all we all have intrusive thoughts we're not like we're not responsible for all of our intrusive thoughts the thing that does matter is acting on those intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. which ben does which is how i'm going to get into what happens on the fifth on november. the 5th november which seriously like that is the, Huge, one of the worst Novembers. Yeah. Um, big, big trigger warning for sexual assault in this one because um, Ben decides to show up at this club, as we've discussed, and he decides that the way to get Fallon to agree to come home with him, not even to, like, talk. Like, he doesn't, like, this is the thing. He, like, says straight away, like, come home with me. Not even, like, let's talk. Come Wait, home with no, me. No, no. Actually, he just, he he slides into their booth. Her, she's tipsy. Her and her, the guy she's dating are sitting in a booth alone. He slides into the booth and he's like, hey, I'm from a college and I'm doing a study. And Fallon's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, like, and, like, the head. date has no idea what's going on. Like, I get the date was kind of, like, embarrassing herself. But, like, Loki, he didn't do anything yeah. wrong. And, like, he only got, like, like, yeah, he was a pretentious, like, asshole, but he wasn't being, like, harmful. Yeah, but then, like... You know, like, the only, the only time that I actually, like, really disliked him was when, after, like, him and Ben got into a fight and everything, and he was just, like, throwing punches and everything, but even that wasn't because, it was because of what Colleen Hoover was writing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you were making him as unlikable as possible, but he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Imagine you were sitting on a date and some girl comes into the booth and is like, I'm in love with your date, by the way, and then just starts, like, hitting you. Yeah. No, like... I so, would literally start crying. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would leave. But um, the thing is that what happens next is, before the altercation, is that Fallon and... Ben goes to the bathroom. Fa- no, Fallon goes to the bathroom. Ben yeah. follows her. And then he waits outside the bathroom for her, and then he takes her to a storage room and then starts kissing her without her permission. And she says, clearly, no. She physically says, stop, and this is where it gets so disgusting. So she says, stop. He says, I'm trying. Ask me again. I open my mouth to say it again, but I met with heat and tongue and lips. My guy. My guy. She's not, like, she's not responding at first. This is not your girlfriend. This is not your girlfriend. This is not somebody that you have a relationship with. This is somebody that has not spoken to you in a year because you hurt her. Admittedly, I don't think that Fallon had that much of a reason to be as pissed as she was that Ben was dating Jordan. It's messed up to date your dead brother's ex-wife. It is. Not even a year after he died. But 
Fallon didn't have a reason to feel, like, as betrayed as she did. Like, she acted as if Ben was cheating on her. Yeah, which was too Which much. was weird. That being said, they have not seen each other in a year. They have not had any contact in a year. Ben shows up when she's on a date with somebody else, kisses her, and she says stop, and he has the nerve to say, I'm trying. Ask me again. And the second that she opens up her mouth to say it again, which she was going to, Mm -hmm. and he kisses her to interrupt her. Now, first of all, in a romance novel... I would literally call having, the police. No, having having the two main characters, um, having the male main character sexually assault the female main character is never something that I would ever root for. I think that is, I'm never going to root for a couple or a man who sexually assaulted yeah. a person. You know, like, that's not it. So that's an interesting choice for Colleen Hoover. But not only that, it's romanticized. In what world yeah. is this okay? In what, like, n- even if this was her, his girlfriend, if I, if you tell someone to stop, they fucking stop. That is consent 101. You don't say, I'm trying, tell me again. You don't let make her convince you to stop doing something to her. And then when she does start to say stop she's again. She's also tipsy. I would like to remind you yeah, all. She has consumed clear- alcohol. Yeah, she's like very clearly states in her, this is all in Fallon's point of view, by the way. So like everything that I'm saying is in her own chapter. Mm-hmm. It's in her own words. She's saying that when Ben gets there, like in my, I, if I'm not forgetting, if I'm like remembering correctly, she literally states that when he comes into the booth next to her, she thinks that she's like hallucinating because she's had so much to drink. And she's like, yeah. why is he here? Like, I don't remember telling him where I was. Or like, when, when he takes her to the storage room, she says like she titters a little bit. She lists to the right or something. And he notices. Like, she is very clearly under the influence. And then, you need like, to be in jail for several reasons. Yeah. Arson being on the like bottom of the list because like he was a minor when that happened. Yeah, everything afterwards is his. It's still a crime, but he was a minor, so less of a sentence because of a minor. But, like, after that, my guy, you're an adult. And even, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't care if you're 16. You know that arson is wrong. Yeah. Like, maybe that's just me, but, like, I kind of learned that when I was, like, a little kid. Like, you don't set fire. Like, you don't play with matches. Yeah. You You don't actively set a fire because you're upset yep i'm sorry but like if you don't think that fallon's dad was showing enough grief quote unquote how were you showing grief for the last six years when you were with fallon because like us as the readers this is the thing this is why this book is so inconsistent because I got no feeling of guilt from Ben throughout the book. And this is because Colleen Hoover loves to take a trauma and use it as a plot twist in her book. And she does this in the worst, most, like, twisted way where she chooses to exploit it, where Mm -hmm. she hides it as deep as possible where she, like, buries it under so much unnecessary shit and, like, inconsistent characters... And then it, like, pops up out of nowhere, and she's like, but I fooled you. And I'm like, this isn't supposed to be, like, a guessing game. And that's why she doesn't have trigger warnings for her books, because she says it will spoil them. I'm sorry, if you are using people's traumas and exploiting the trauma and, like, triggers people will have as a plot device. Exactly. Like, I, no, I know that a lot of books deal with, like, sensitive themes and subjects oh my but god the thing is i am completely fine with that no the thing is it's not it's not 
the entire plot like something happens and that causes trauma something happens and that causes grief something happens and those like triggers are a result a result of it or they could be like a, con- a perpetuation of like whatever even, it is i would even argue that books that center around the trauma of a specific person like that doesn't mean that they're exploiting it yeah. you know what i'm saying because like i've read a lot of books that like okay so like my dark vanessa for example by kate elizabeth russell is literally centered around the grooming and sexual assault of a 15 year old girl that's the entire premise of the book right that does not in any way shape or form exploit the traumas that she faced when she was a little girl you know that's how you write a story that respects the traumas that somebody went through not like this. You don't completely ignore it and then, oh, whoop, look, here's a plot point, and then use it as, like, a surprise or, like, a twist, you know? I also hate the fact that, like, when Fallon decides to, like, um, like, basically get over the fact that Ben almost killed her in a fire, so she shows up at the parking lot of the diner where he's waiting for her, and he's, like... This is on the 6th November, I think. It's literally the yeah. page before. Like, it's literally on, like, the second-to-last page. And she goes... Um, so he's, like, trying to apologize. And he's, like, you can't ask for my forgiveness because there's nothing to forgive. If anything, I'm here for your forgiveness. So, like, now we're just saying that it's all your... Now we're victim-blaming. Fa- now we're just saying that he's not to blame because he was... 16 and because he loves you and he didn't mean to so like as long as you're 16 years old you can you can do whatever like you can commit crimes and like it's fine also that's not the only point that she's trying to make she's like you love me and you didn't mean to when you were trying to do better and okay but he didn't love you when he set the fire no but now like no but like i'm saying that's like what i'm getting at you know what i'm saying i'm just trying to point out like the like lack of logic there is no logic i just not only that, though, I also hated the the way that they then treated the father after the man you she read have, the manuscript. I have, a, I have a bone to pick with the father. He We only see him once in, in the, the entire book, and he's a complete dick. And then in the second November, Ben is like, you need to go see your father because you only have one and blah, blah, blah. Because of his guilt. He felt he felt guilty. And then... For what he did. For some reason, we're like, okay with the father. No, no. Because then she read the manuscript and she's like, oh no, but like my father just found out someone he cared about died. So of course he wouldn't remember that I would be in his house. So of course he wouldn't remember that like um, I was like sleeping in his bed. So then like that's forgiven you know but like she has this moment where she's like trying to like justify his own lack of like awareness i guess Mm -hmm. and she's like i only stayed at his house once a week and like he just found out that someone he loved had died and blah 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 and like to expect him to immediately remember that i had texted him to let him know i was sleeping at his house like okay like fine but also why are we acting as if like you and your father have this great relationship all of a sudden when we don't ever get to see him. Also, like, we know that your relationship from even after the fire was so horrible and we saw the way he treated her on the first page. Yeah, and, like, we never get to see him after. So how am I expected to believe that you guys have a good relationship? If I, that's why I have a problem with the fact that we never get to see them. Because how am I supposed to believe that these characters have grown and changed if I didn't see anything that happened in the last 364 days? Because they also don't act like they grew and changed. There's this one point, literally after the after the first November. It's the second November, and the first time that Ben sees Fallon, he's like, she's dripping with confidence. But then a few pages later, he's talking about how like 
it's her fault. That's when the whole thing comes in where he's talking about how she's insecure and like it's her yeah. own fault. So what happened to all that confidence that she got? Where'd it go? Also, where was the fucking confidence coming from? Because we didn't get to see where it came from. So we like also like she moved cities we don't know anything about her life in la except two little details that she gives us once in a while we don't know anything about what he's doing anything about his life we know nothing about either of them all we know is that they meet for a couple hours every single year and that's it and i felt like even like even if the the actual story and the plot and whatever was amazing this severely lacks any depth so i even from the beginning i would have never liked this story because there is no like there's nothing there's no like content to to like the, the characters are are, are lacking the, the 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 plot is lacking i don't see anything other than a day a year when and, i was talking about why i didn't like it ends with us so much i said this before but it colleen hoover seems to have this writing style where she writes in like bullet points where she has a list of plot points that she wants to write and she doesn't bother to fill in anything in between so there's nothing to connect it. That's why her writing comes off as very stilted mm-hmm. and very, like, bland, I guess. And this is, like, that but to the extreme because now it's, like, she has an excuse for all of that because, like, that's literally the premise of the book. Yeah. I don't know. I also, like, think, I'm like, surprised by the amount of people who love this book because, no, I'm not saying that you can't love this book. I'm saying that... Stop in romanticizing Goodreads, it. <laughs> in Goodreads, which is an app that you use to, like, track your reading five and four stars are all they have and then there is one percent of one stars and two percent of two stars i am one of the one percent so am i but like how how is have we read completely different books like if i don't know 100 like a hundred people read a book okay fine 50 of them can like this book but i would expect for a lot of people to also not like this book considering the amount like the what's like the what it is for me, I'm not saying that you can't find any entertainment in this no, book. No, that's something That's different. not what I'm saying. What I am saying is I don't understand how you can look at the shit that goes on in this book and find it to be, like, couple goals. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are romanticizing it, and they love Ben as, as like, Mink, as the When people like, talk character. about how Ben is, like, one of the best book boyfriends or anything, I'm like, is he, though? I don't want to be killed in a relationship. I want to survive. I don't want to be sexually assaulted. In I don't want to be manipulated. I don't, don't want to be, be gaslit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. I think I can't. I can't go on. Yeah, I think we're done with this book. We yeah. need to put it behind us. Um, respectfully. Listen, if you liked this book, I am so happy that you enjoyed it. I'm happy that you found entertainment exactly. in it. Exactly. Um, we did it. This was a complete, this was an episode dedicated to sharing my thoughts. These are my thoughts. Yeah. We have, like, I don't hate Colleen Hoover. She, I respect her because she has, like, an immense, like, fan base and Yeah, she's whatever. literally doing more than I will ever do. Exactly. Like, that's but, great um, for you. You know, there, there are just some things that bother me with her writing, especially, specifically, the lack of trigger warnings because I was, in fact, The romanticization triggered. of abuse is the one that's for me. That's one as well. Um... And I just, mm, not it. Um, so we can, I think we can safely say that yeah. Colleen Hoover is not going to ever Yes, I would say that this experiment <laughs> of giving her another chance is, was not a successful one. I think it is safe to say that I am done yeah. with her books from now on. Um, but if you like her, I'm happy that you do. I will continue reading my own authors that I enjoy. Exactly. You don't have to like those authors. Um be honest i don't care <laughs> i like them that's what's important to me read whatever you want to read just don't 
like don't comment on what don't I read. Don't judge me for liking people that you don't like, and, and we don't won't judge you. And don't tell me that I have to like an author that you like. Oh my that's, god, yeah, I hate that. That's weird. Um. Anyways, anyway, <laughs> I think to leave on a high note, we need to do our um annual recommendations. Yes. So we thought because Fallon loves to read, supposedly. Um, during the, uh, during the course of the book, she gives Ben, like, a few books that she wants him to read. So we decided, well, like, there's this trend that's going around on TikTok where you give the seven books that you need your, like, future partner to read or else you, like, can't be with them. Like, obviously, it's all in good fun, but, like, that's how I thought that we could, like, tie it all together and, like, leave on a high note. So, okay. Liraz, would you like to start out? What are the seven books that you need okay. someone to read or else you just can't be with them? Wow, okay. Um, so, I think, like, if I had, like, a significant other, I would be, like, more, like, please read these books so I can share with you how, like, happy they make me. Um, so, the books that I would recommend um, are Howl's Moving Castle because the movie, the book, it's everything. I love it. It just makes me so happy. It is literally happiness just <laughs> in book form. Um, what else? Um, I will say the score for the movie is ugh, fantastic. It I haven't read it and I haven't seen the movie, but the score is amazing. I cry every single time mm-hmm. because of the score. Um, what else? Oh, the second one is The Outsiders. Oh, I would put that on my list. From the second I read this book in but high school. But I ran school. out of space. <laughs> From the second I read this book in high school, uh, I love it. It's just, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And I don't know. I just, it's, it means something to me, you know? It's mm-hmm. one of those books that you're like, please read them. It's a part of you. Yeah. Um, all right. Then I'm obviously going to make them read a romance, a multiple romances, because um, that is what I like. So on my list of romances that they would need to read, um, The Kiss Quotient, because obviously you can't not. The next one is The Wall of Winnipeg and Me, because... That book, for me, is everything. (laughs) Like, no, I am in love with everything that book is. So, you know, you got to read it. (laughs) Um, The other one is Before Jamaica Lane, which is um, by Samantha Young. She's one of my favorite authors as well. I don't talk about her nearly as much because I haven't been reading her lately. But when I just started reading, I read her books. And Before Jamaica Lane is part of a series called On Dublin Street. It's amazing. It's about this plus-size girl, and she's best friends with this, like, kind of playboy, but then they kind of make a fake relationship, whatever. It's adorable. It's great. Um, the next book would be The Little Prince. Prince. Oh, okay, good that one. That one, because, it's, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. I read it in a very specific time, and it means a lot, so that one is a must. And last, but not least, <laughs> is... Um, okay, listen... It's a young adult book. I need you to read it. It's a graphic novel. It's called Heartstopper. Oh, I've okay. talked about it before. But, like, it's my life. Okay. So, yeah, that one is, like, the last one that I would want them to read. And that is it for me. Nice. So, Michelle, what about you? Okay. So, on my list of the seven books that I would absolutely, obviously need a future partner to read or else we clearly can't be together. Um, so, first up on the list would have to be Persuasion by Jane Austen. This, to me, is the height of romance. It's mm-hmm. the height of yearning. It's the height of second chance to enemies, to lover, everything. It's so good. It's also really short. So, like, no excuses for yeah. it being too long. 
Um, because Persuasion is so short, obviously I would need to give a bigger book, and that is why I'm going to say Les Mis by Victor Hugo. You just went from Persuasion, which is like 200 pages, to like, I don't know, 1100. <laughs> wow. Your poor um, future partner. This book, I mean, first of all, the musical is my favorite musical. and It's amazing. Um, the book is truly, it, like, when I say that it changed my life, it really did. It took me a long time to read it. I'm not it surprised. It really did. I really, really took my time when I did. But it is so good. And, like, it's so heartwarming. Because, like, at its core, it's literally just about the love that people have for each other. And the mm. love for liberty. And the love for just freedom of choice. And, like, everything about, like, all the themes and everything just really hit hard. And I love it so much. And I appreciate that book so much. And I want to reread it at some point in my life. Um, when so you yeah. have time for 1100 when I have pages time um another one i would have to say the bell jar by sylvia plath i have never related to a book as much as i related to this one and if a partner would want to understand me they would need to read this book um obviously if we were villains by ml rio just because not surprising again persuasion and if we were villains are my two favorite books of all time those will always remain at the top <laughs> so like you have to read that one um the Secret History by Donna Tartt. I mean, like, it's so good. And, like, I if you, like, I need to know that you have the patience for this book to know that you have the patience to handle me as your partner. <laughs> That's my limit, you know? Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Wuthering Heights. I need to know that you have an appreciation for gothic literature as much as I do or else like we won't be able to match. Like obviously as my partner, you're not allowed to have any uh, different opinions than me. Yeah, it so, won't work. It just won't work. Like clearly you need to like everything that I like. You need to be the exact same as I am, which is ridiculous because like I already don't like myself. So why would I want someone exactly like me? Um, but yeah, like Wuthering Heights... I need I need that to be the book that they read. Like it's so good. It's so it's a classic for a reason and like the writing is just banger. And the like, writing is amazing. I want someone to be as obsessed with me as Heathcliff is as obsessed as he is with Kathy. You know? I love how we talked about red flag like things that are like toxic and red flags like two it's seconds me. ago. I'm the red flag. <laughs> I'm the red flag. Okay. Um, and finally, my last book would have to be not a book but a play and it's Othello by Shakespeare <laughs> this is my favorite play of all time and when I say that it's like perfection I literally mean it is perfection I love it so much and like everything about it it's also one of the most accessible Shakespeare plays so like mm -hmm. there's no excuses over here like there's no excuses you about why you it. can't read it like you can and you will it's just quite frankly perfection mm -hmm. you know and I just need everybody to read it. Also, like, there's this specific moment that really means a lot to me when Desdemona gives a huge monologue about why, not huge, but, like, she gives a monologue about um, why she's so in love with Othello and she never breaks iambic pentameter, which is a huge thing because usually in, um, in plays that are written in iambic pentameter, the characters whenever they reach a certain point of emotional like whenever they reach an emotional breaking point they usually tend to break mm -hmm. because of their emotions and she never breaks wow and to me that really just like drives home how much she loves him and it drives home the tragedy of the entire play and like i just i need i need my future partner to read that and understand that on the level that i do but like yeah i think those would be my seven <laughs> okay you know 
we've got a nice list <laughs> over here. I think I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's it for I'm us. happy that we could leave on a more positive yeah, note. Yeah, I'm definitely leaving happier than I came in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm I, I'm I'm happy that we also got a chance to like take a lot of things off our chest because yeah. I think we needed it. And yeah. if you stayed so far, I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you for staying <laughs> Thank so you. long. Um, so stay tuned, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Fully booked. Read into it with Michelle Amar and Liraz Levy. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 